I'm from um, just outside Pertumna, a small little village called Gertzunumra. It wouldn't be a stronghold of, of rugby. Uh, hurling would be still very big there. I've learned a lot from people along the way and I've picked up stuff from people. You have characteristics, and I see it in some of the younger fellas, you have characteristics of, um, of being a leader. Uh, some people have them naturally and others have them underneath. I was going to say, I'll be the first on your ass if you uh, make a mistake. I play rugby for that physical contact and that physical, I suppose, man-on-man -man experience. If there wasn't a rugby outlet, we'd probably be all told. So it's basically man v man, and it, it is a question of who wants it more and who's willing to dig that little bit deeper. The one thing about sports run and about Cork is we've always had a real good culture off the pitch, we've always had a real um, buy-in from the players. We're building something on the cornerstone of people who are born in this province and who don't need to leave here, who don't want to leave here and as I said earlier, who don't see it as a stepping stone to moving somewhere else. It's easy to say this now, going into that final last year, I, I never for one minute thought we weren't going to lose. Never entered my head. Just the way we were playing and the confidence, and I suppose the confidence in everyone around us was huge. And we were training, we were playing at a level that I felt no team in this league was able to match. Actually, I'm absolutely speechless. Um, but we had a bet earlier in the year, 20 euros, that if we won it, I wouldn't cry, but it's uh, the best 20 quid I'll ever spend. Um, phenomenal. I'd like to thank all the support that made our way over. Um, you were the man of the match, John. Who else could it possibly have been but you? pitch to be there and the, the support to get there and, uh, and I thank everyone for coming to to support me out me and the team throughout the last few years.
It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. I'm Rob Murphy, 4710. William Davis, welcome along. Good evening, Rob. Dave Fane, welcome along. Good evening, Rob. Hello to Lindley McKenzie. Evening, Rob. A very big hello to Alan Deegan. That was 4710 to Connacht. <laughs> Quite the opposite of what you might expect. Initially, Leinster were only four points favourites coming in because they had a lot of changes. So you'd think to yourself, Connacht had a good chance, although we wrote them off in the midweek podcast because, you know, they had no form. Uh, once I saw the Leinster team, I thought Connacht would win. I didn't think they'd win by that margin. Um, it's interesting. It's just, it's, it's funny, you know, when you start messing around with teams and they, ha- they don't have any option. Look, they have a semi-final of a, this to play. They have a final of the Champions Cup to play. But... Leo Cullen before the game talked about 54 players being used this season that's a very difficult job to do to bring guys in keep them fit keep them switched on and they weren't switched on today and Connacht absolutely exploited they tore into them and they just played totally different pace to what Leinster were at took some early chances nice one for Tiernan O'Halloran in under the post bit of a three-on-one overlap but he grabbed the ball uh, and from there they never looked back and it was a great send-off for John Muldoon the team they they were up for it they worked really really hard and job done unfortunately it's only the seventh win out of 21 in this competition and I'm afraid with seven wins in the Pro 14 you don't win anything given them the second in the Inter-Pro Championship like you know that has to count for something yeah we'll take the positives out of it it is the first time that Connacht have beaten all three provinces here at home in one season so take the positives it was a great performance at the end perfect send-off John Muldoon it gave the lads a little bit of confidence heading into the close season and what's going to be coming you know ahead next season so I think yeah take your hat off to them they did it and they and they and they didn't give up they continued yeah right to the bitter end Coming up on this week's podcast, we're going to hear post-game interviews, Kieran Keane, Jack Carty, maybe a little bit of Leo Collin in the post-game. Separate to that, William got Leo Collin before the game, just to talk a little bit about what's been happening in Leinster over the last uh, 18 to maybe 24 months, maybe a little bit longer, and the changes and the success. So that's going to be interesting in its own right. We'll get the in-match thoughts of Alan. And Marmion has it now. Just a few metres in from the left-hand touchline. From left to right, they'll go on as a pop out to Jared Butler with the carry. John Muldoon's first carry of the game is in around the fringes and an extra bit of leg drive and they're within five metres of the Leinster line. Good start for Connick and they make a count. Another carry from Gavin Thornbury takes them within two metres of the Leinster line. Sun shining at the sports ground. Marmion wants to dig it out. It is slow ball. Out it comes. Muldoon's on the back of the man there just to get that extra bit of push onto quitting room. Marmion. Aki's the decoy. Carty. It goes wide. Farrell. Beautiful pass to keep it moving. Tierno Hallery to me. Andy Loken. Andy Loken has work to do. He'll always do it though. He's in in the corner and gets around a little bit closer to the post. What a start for Connick. They've had the ball for two minutes and 50 seconds and they score. Okay, William. 20 minutes gone. Connick leads seven points to three. Yeah, it's been a interesting enough start. It's it's a game full of vim and vigour. Both sides really going at it. Connick scored a fine try early on. Leinster starting to turn the screw a little bit. A bit disappointed they missed a very kickable penalty there. But they're playing a real possession game. They're kicking a lot for possession in position inside the uh, Connick 22, and Connick are struggling a little bit with that. But they're still they're still ahead on what is a stunningly warm afternoon here at the Sports Ground. It's not often you get to say that. It certainly isn't. We'll talk again on halftime. Here is the line-out throw on the 22 after that penalty. A little trick move as Muldoon comes in to receive that ball. The disguise jump 
clever way of securing your own ball anyways and Connacht have it just inside the 22 it's popped back up to McKeown who's immediately enveloped by three Leinster men and tackled behind the game line flat pass from uh, Delahunt to Aki he's tackled but Delahunt picks it up and goes right through the middle of the rock for the second time in this game the offload to Marmy and he's going towards the line has he got the touchdown I think he has let's see what the decision is we're going to go to a TMO underneath the post if he's got it oh that was brilliant from Delahunt right through the middle of a rock again what a second 20 minutes yeah really interesting 20 minutes because Connacht uh, Connacht did really well to sort of hold out Leinster particularly just on the amount of uh, position they they really tried to to, to play a position game Leinster and Connacht were up for it held them out scored a really good breakaway try and then another lovely piece of work in midfield so three converted tries and they're in a really good position here it's uh, maybe it's the sun I think Connacht definitely play better in this type of weather on a on a firm sort of surface and uh, it's been a really really good performance be interested to see what Leinster do with their bench now and how um, how they try to set themselves up Connacht just have to keep doing what they're doing they do indeed yeah tries from Adi Loken O'Halloran with the intercept and Marmion which <laughs> I would have been annoyed if it had been given to Leinster I have to say it didn't look as though he got it down but we'll take it we'll, um, we'll talk again on 60 minutes OK, William, the score now reads Connacht 33, Leinster 10. This is a great game of rugby. Yeah, it is. It's a good performance by Connacht. Uh, Leinster look a little bit either disinterested or disorganised at this stage. I think once Connacht held them out in the sort of period from about minute 15 to minute 30, uh, they've gone on to dominate the game and they're, play- they're playing quite well and it's just now a matter of seeing this game out and giving Leinster very little. Yeah, great way for John to finish, it has to be said. Oh, absolutely. And uh, some guys playing really, really well today. Um, and a lot of what Connacht have tried has worked. They've looked a lot sharper. They've been getting their passes away. And uh, it's been thoroughly enjoyable. We'll talk again on full time. Outside the 22, Connacht looking for a sixth try. Owen Masterson takes a pass back inside from uh, Craig Ronaldson. Here's Tom McCartney offloading to Tornbury again this has really got through a lot of work Ronaldson lots of players here for Connective to keep moving it here's Tom Farrell could be on now Aki Adi looking on for a hat-trick maybe maybe it's going to be Aki himself who gets the touchdown I think he's got the try there's the, the decision Bundy Aki gets the score and Connacht have a sixth try in this game well I tell you what it's been a tough few weeks for this group of players they've had some tough defeats since the Gloucester game I think John Muldoon's going to take the conversion, Joe. How do you like that? That's going to be uh, met with a massive cheer. Well, I hope he wins. I hope he puts it over the bar. It's in front of the post, folks. Right in front of the post. Leinster are going to charge it. Keen Healy charged it too early. Muldoon drills it over. That's really rubbing it into Leinster. Well, there you have it. Three minutes to go in the game, and John Muldoon has his first ever conversion in rugby on his final day. 47 points to 10 off that Caelan Blade try. Haven't seen that before. Oh, yes. Come on, Come on,
47-10. What a win. Great win. Uh, great performance by Connacht. Just dominated the game completely. And fine send-off for John Muldoon. Great end to the season. Uh, won't cover up for the season, but it's got them to a 33%, 7 out of 21 in the Pro 14. And if they can play more rugby like this, they'll win more games next season. And, and second in the Inter-Pro Championship. And best, most points we've ever scored against Leinster. Biggest points gap between us and any other provincial side. So yeah, we'll, we'll take whatever biggest we can get. We'll, we'll talk again when things calm down. Say a few words, Mull. This will be short and sweet. Um, just, I'd like to thank everyone today. Um, I'll try not get too emotional. Uh, Everyone on the video, everyone, everyone involved in Connacht Rugby, players, staff, uh, groundsmen, um, familiar faces that we saw up there, Mick, Don, everyone else, Mary, who contributed, thanks so much. Um, I've been a part of this and I've, I've been very proud and very privileged to be a part of uh, Connacht Rugby for so long. And um, We're just one working part and I said to the lad before we went out, just, just do ourselves and do the group proud. And, um, I thought the lads were magnificent today. Um, I thought when we won 2010 in, in Murrayfield, it couldn't get much better. But looking down there, 47-10, Jesus. I'd like to apologise for my kick as well to all uh, to all of Leinster. Apologies, it wasn't personal, um, but, but it was a nice feeling all the same. Um, just. Just on behalf of everyone um, in Connacht and everything, and the journey we've been on over the last few years, that's what we're capable of, that's what we can do. Uh, just back the lads, just get behind them like you've done for the last few years. I can't wait to see the lads next year. I'll be supporting from afar, but this has always been my home, and um, hopefully we'll be back someday. Um, just last but not least, apologies, two things. Um, to my family, my mum, all my family that um, have came through the rain, everything. Uh, everyone's mum is special for obvious reasons. Mine's no different, bringing me everywhere, um, dragging me across the country for, for numerous years and coming supporting. Thanks very much to my two little uh, lovely nieces. They got very shy at the start, but um, they're not like that at home. Uh, and to my lovely wife, um, we have a big journey ahead, so uh, buckle up because um, it's going to be some ride for the next couple of uh, months and years uh, <laughs> uh, last but not least thanks to all the management thanks to all the coaches players everyone that's gone past for the last 15 17 years um, it's been a privilege and to everyone else that's leaving um, this year apologies for hogging the limelight brownie jp uh, steve Jeez, if I start naming, I'm going to leave out someone. Jake, he's waving at me there. See you in a few months. Um, thanks to everyone, lads. And uh, yeah, let's have a drink and celebrate. Thanks. Kieran Keane, a record-breaking victory over Leinster for John Muldoon's final game. It's not a bad way to finish the season. Yeah, it's a stunning performance, wasn't it? And uh, for a great man, a great conic man. So... Um, absolutely thrilled down in the changing room both about the performance and the manner in which we achieved it yeah and that's what you'll be preaching next season of what they're capable of you've seen it in Sparks this season obviously in Interpros at home against Munster and Ulster but nothing to that degree 
Yeah, every day, uh, sorry, every dog has his day and uh, today things were really good for us and, and some of the some of the tries were outstanding and we were just at one, you might say. So, quality team, I mean, we can't underestimate the opposition. Um, they're a top outfit, but today we were too good. The start was particularly impressive because the patience through the phases, they were losing yards and gaining yards after that turnover. I think it was about well, three, four minutes of possession continuous and obviously picking off a try. So you, you obviously knew that things were going well to start like that. Yeah, well, you know, as I was just saying, alluding to, that, you know, you've got a quality team. You, you've got to break them down a little bit. And, um, and we showed a lot of patience around that and then took some really good options. And um, I think we grew in confidence from it. And, you know, we had the home crowd. We had a stunning uh, afternoon in terms of the weather. So it was just a, it was a good performance all round. As a group, they stood up for the captain as well? They did, didn't they? You know, they, they, they did. And he deserved it. And he probably had his best game as well. So, you know, it was just a, it's a wonderful day for Connick Rugby. You said this week you knew from the outset when you came in here, not being new to European rugby, that you had to find the type of person you wanted to lead your team. He was the guy. This underlines it, I suppose. Yeah, look, Mel's been here so long. Um, you know, it was just, it was. I needed him to to stay and to well to stay captain mm. and um, and just have a look and listen and and just see what how the place works. So he, he's done me a hell of a huge favour personally. Um, um, and you know he's a he's a bit of a legend as well, you know, because he's such a good bloke. Under you know under all the accolades that people have thrown at him, he's still well, uh, and he's a good human being. You, you can see at this stage what what he means to the fans, but also he he said it himself. This is what we can do going towards the next season. You'll be using this as your launching pad for next year, I presume. Yeah, yeah. Like like things will change and um, and personnel will change and. Um, uh, but certain things don't change, and that's you know uh, what he brings to the club, uh, and what he said to the people downstairs. Um, you know, he, it comes from the heart, and um, you know it's pretty outstanding stuff. Um, Jack, there's, there's two strands to this interview because we got to talk about John Muldoon a good bit, yeah. and we also have to talk about the performance. So, can we just start with that first of all? Yeah. A 47-10 victory. What it says about what this group is capable of and what it says maybe about what you can bring forward to next season. For the coaching team, it, it can be frustrating at times, but when we when we get it right, by God, we get it really, we do really well. Um, we took the game to Leinster earlier on. Early on, we um, kept the ball for multiple phases, stretched them. Um, they filled the pitch quite well, and we found it quite difficult kind of to get yards in behind them. But when we did, um, we poured through, and we did did well to kind of keep the the foot in the neck. So, uh, yeah, it, look, it's it's good to see that we we're being able to do that. We've showed it at times, um, Ulster at home. Um, it's just about them games and five or six games that we kind of left behind us that we um, look there'll be lessons learned from them and hopefully there'll be the games next year that will they'll be to turn into W's. Look, uh, the crowd were here for John today, but yep. they're coming back to watch Connacht week in week out because maybe people don't realise when they just look at the results that you've been producing this in sparks. I think everyone knows this is still in this group. You said yourself, September is next season, starting this season well is going to be crucial, isn't it? Uh, yeah, like <clears throat> I suppose the start of the season we were probably chasing our tails, but we lost mm. our first. Uh, we lost three out of our first or four opening games. So, um, 
we'll have it with the year under our belt with kind of KK and KK's philosophy of how we're playing and with Nigel and Jimmy and Pete Wilton. So um, there's good growth in what from the start of the year to this year. It's it's not success is not always straight up. You obviously have your dips and uh, we've had them, but we've finished the season on a high. So it's important that we um, do our reviews towards the end of the season and then when we come back in and at the end of June that we hit the ground running because we need to we can't be chasing our tails as we as we were this year. Yeah, a lot of guys maybe putting their hands up maybe for summer tours too. You have a couple of weeks of reviews now. Mm. The work you put in now could be very, very important for what, what happens when we see you back on the pitch, I suppose, in August, but back in the training paddock in June. Yeah, look, um, two or three weeks training now. Um, obviously, we've been hoping to be um, involved towards the tail end of the season in playoffs and semi-finals and whatnot, but um, we'll train for two or three weeks and then we'll, everyone will be looking forward to a, a good few weeks off rest and then, as I said before, just hitting the ground run. Mm. Um We'll have it under a year under we have a year under our belt with KK and the way he what he's looking for. So, um, yeah, all roads are look, looking well, looking good. Like the emotional element to this game today and the commitment you said yourself, John said a few words in the dressing room. You came out like as fired up as I've seen you in ages. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, the start of games have been something that's been disappointing for us mm-hmm. over the last couple of games. Um, Bar Glasgow, obviously last or two weeks ago, but before that we were always conceding kind of and then chasing our tails. So. It was important for us to get a get a good start, and Mole said a few words before in the change room, and they kind of just gave us that lift and that took what we needed. Um, but as I said it was pr- very promising the the way that we held onto the ball them first five six minutes, and then resulted in like we stretched them left, we stretched them wide, we went through the middle, we took yards through the middle. So um, it's just important that we bring that forward next year, and um, it was great to see us put forty seven on them. You said how much John Muldoon means to you in your career and yeah. means to the dressing room. It must be really satisfying for you guys to look outside and see what it means to the fans and what it means all week to people all around the world of rugby. Uh, yeah, look, it was a big week for, I suppose, all the lads that were leaving. Um, Brownie as well, the mm. contribution he's gave to Connacht Rugby over the last 13 years. I think it's 13 years he was involved. So um, The contribution them two lads have given, there was one of the dark clouds, as Mull says, one of the dark clouds were here. Um, they really, I suppose, they probably had offers to go other other places, um, and they held held on here. And I'm just so glad for that. They got the chance to win some silverware, and then we got to um, deliver a performance that was just for the two of them today. Kicking conversions is awful easy. John Muldoon didn't pop up for once. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. No. Look, it was, that was nice for him to to get a few points on the board. A few lads were looking for him for kind of the racing style uh, try. But yeah. No. I don't know if Leinster were were too happy about it. But uh, yeah, it's just great for him to get on the scoreboard and it was a fitting finish for him. Listen, it's a huge win and a great, great way to finish the campaign. But those shoes are going to be hard to fill. Those shoes are going to be hard to fill. Sorry, you're talking about Andrew Brown and John Muldoon, what they are in the dressing room. You'll all be hoping to step into those kind of sh- shoes in some way, shape, or form, won't you? Um, yeah, look, two big leaders have been lost, mm. but it's a huge opportunity for a lot of young fellas to come through and um, develop their leadership skills and kind of show KK and the coaching staff that they can fill the shoes of the two lads. Um, obviously, when you look at it now, it's a daunting task, but um, it gives other fellas opportunities to um, to grow, and a lot of fellas will be champing a bit to do that next year. There's a lot of fellas there. You have Sean O'Brien, you have Jared, you have Quinn. Um, you just have multiple lads there who are real leaders in the squad, and they'll be looking forward to getting involved like that next year. Yeah, like Connor were very, very good. Like you know, you've got to hand it to them. Like they were just so dominant in the contact, so dominant in the collisions. So, um, and that's the area that you know some of these guys need to get better at. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, as I said, it's like it's tough to pick the positives out of it because you know we were well and truly second best. But you know, amazing resilience to play that many games. So, um, yeah, no, you certainly got a good send off there today. So. 
the boys were clearly fired up for him. Um, and uh, our guys certainly helped, helped with the party atmosphere around the place. And uh, just a quick thanks to sportsnewsireland.com for their help with this podcast. They're hosting us on their site and helping us to get the news out about Connacht Rugby and promoting our podcast. So thanks very much to them. More from Leo Cullen later in the podcast, but we've got to get right back into it now. So we've heard it all. We've heard the post-game chat. We've heard a really good speech from John Muldoon. What a reception. My favourite moment of the day was when he ran out on the pitch and he got a great reception from the clan turfs. But the roar he got from the main stand on the far side when he jogged over to him was just... Ah, was brilliant. And every corner of the ground packed in to see his final game. I think my favourite moment was when he took that conversion. <laughs> Keen, I thought it was Keen Healy was not happy with that. Well, I, yeah, well, I, by the way, is, is, do you know why, do you know is why he took it? No, no, the reason he took that was that the only he's played against clubs from Spain and Russia and Italy, France, wherever, and Ireland is the only place he hadn't scored any points against. And he wanted that on his CV. Yeah, I don't think that's the reason why he it did it. Was. <laughs> I don't it think was. he even knew that. But I but it, there was nothing wrong with that, that, was there? Not at all. No, not at all. No, no. Okay. I don't enough. have an issue with it whatsoever. Oh, yeah, I don't think Leinster liked it, but that's hardly the point. <laughs> Look, <laughs> didn't, when, didn't <laughs> I'm sorry when you're when you're being absolutely beaten out the gate uh, to your bus, which actually wasn't there for you when you were waiting for it. Um, <laughs> you just have to suck that up and take it. Well, it's a bit. It's a bit like. Um, the the racing fellas given someone else the yeah. you know the ball to score the try so he doesn't get you know Jassy Metro, yeah. didn't Jassy? no you're spot on it's the exact same man it was it was a nice moment just wanted to check because Keenly didn't seem happy but sure he's not a happy man he's not a happy man no Leinster I mean okay so they made all those changes William but there's still a hell of a lot of quality out there they had the top try scorer in the competition on the wing they had they had a strong they had the halfbacks who came on last week they, they have so many different elements oh they they do but I think it just shows you how difficult it is to start changing teams around when the, when there's no real focus. They had nothing to play for today. There was, okay, they could have if... I don't think Scarlett could catch no. unless there was something ridiculous. Well, something ridiculous would have had to have happened and it didn't happen and the chances of that happening. So they, they knew, they knew what the next few weeks are about. And they've been playing all season and it's just difficult. It just shows that even when you have all this talent available to you and all the, the skill sets and the confidence of all the wins mm-hmm. that sometimes it just doesn't happen and it gets away from you. Well, you also have to look at in the last five games now, including this one that they played in the Pro 14, they've one win, one draw and three losses. Like, they're not playing well in the Pro 14. But, I mean, they, but they don't have to because their Pro 14 is sorted out and they will probably go on and win it. No, that, they will not win the Pro 14. I'm going to state that now. They, they, they actually managed to look worse than they did against Treviso. They got beaten up against Treviso. They got beaten up today. Now, there's an awful lot of emotion that was a part of it. And, we, you know, and we, I think we have to congratulate the, the, the 23 guys going out for Connacht for not allowing the emotion to overboil and doing something stupid like a head, good eye, point, yeah. a head eye tackle or, oh, yeah, or just, just get, caught up, get, get caught up in the day. Um, I, I'm sorry, but if we'd lost 47-10 with nothing to play for, we would be destroying us. We'd be going through our players and saying that was unacceptable. From a Leinster perspective, that is unacceptable. I don't care if they had nothing yeah, to play they for. Yeah. They cannot be hurt. There are players out there who have played themselves out of not only the Pro 14 final, but of the European final, and possibly out of a tour with Ireland. They were absolutely abject. I'm sorry, but if we, we would not accept that from Connacht, Leinster should not accept that from their players either. 
I didn't say they were going to accept it. The point I made was they had nothing to play for. They know what they're going to do. They have a home semi-final in this, and they have a final in Dublin to come in the Pro 14 if they get there, and they have a Champions Cup to probably win in the meantime. How often do we see this, Lindy, in rugby? What William's saying, like, Dave's right, it's unacceptable. How often do we see teams when one team has a bigger objective than the other? We saw it with Edinburgh against us. Edinburgh had a specific objective. Ours was the following week. It's very hard to play a rugby game when your objectives are different. I think that's a very valid comment that this was that, like a that, that William makes. Um, there you go, William. <laughs> but I do, I do. No, end of season backing up here. <laughs> I do think, I do think incentive is a is a is a, yeah. is, a, is, a is a huge huge, you know, thing when it comes to anybody uh, doing in any job and and yeah. you know, not, no, rugby is no different, you know. The guys out there have had a really tough season. Connacht have had a tough season. You know, it hasn't been great. You know, they've they've they have produced some very good performances, and today they had one last chance in front of a home. What better occasion? Last game in front of a home crowd. Mull's last match against Leinster. You know, no better way. And they had the incentive, also another incentive, to win the first time to make a little bit of history after what is a disappointing okay. season. I think incentive is huge. I'm going to disagree with you there because this is what I argue with Alan about, and you're doing the same thing. I don't think the players pay any heed to the three home wins. I think there was only one specific thing on their mind today, and it was John Muldoon. I don't think there was even one percent anything else. Like respectfully disagree, but it's it's genuinely, and maybe you take it up, Alan. You could see for the first minute. There was a raw emotion. I, even at the end, you could see J- Shane Delahunt gave him the biggest hug. You know, players like Shane Delahunt and some of the younger guys nearly said to themselves when they woke up this morning, I'm not letting my captain down. Exactly. And also, guys like Shane Delahunt and, and Gavin Thornby, who had a, a monster game as well, um, are from Leinster. And they have points to prove. You know, they have points to prove against Leinster guys who would be saying to them, you're not good enough, you're not playing for Leinster. West, what do you yeah, yeah, exactly. Another incentive. Uh, exactly, there was more than one. Lily's not letting go. But, if, that, but this is why if you look at the scores, the most, that, like, Leinster have never beaten us by that many points. Yeah, that's a good point. Ever, We're yeah. talking about our record against yeah. them. <laughs> that's, their their yeah. best record against us to beat us by 22 points. Yeah, ever. Munster have done that seven times. Ulster have done it five times. Mm. That or higher. There's something about Leinster. I mean, when I started going to the sports ground as a kid, there was always something about the Leinster fixture. You could always knew you could beat Leinster. And it's it's partly it's because they they feel and you know I, I don't want to you know I'm from Leinster so I can say this they feel superior. This is superiority because they're from the better part of the country from the land point of view from the fact they have the more money they have more people and they should go out and win more often because the you know the stats prove if you've got that many people you're going to have a better chance of having more of having better players and it's brought through in the schools it's it's what they're taught to go out and expect to win but and you have to go out and expect to win. Rugby is an unforgiving sport yep. when. When you don't have the right attitude, and if your attitude, no matter how, is, is that you've counted up all the talent you have, and you know you have more talent, you better believe you're going to be in for a shock. Uh, if you ha- if you go on the field with the wrong attitude, most times you're going to lose. Look at you- Munster. I mean, they, we saw last week when they pushed him to shove, they weren't good enough. But look how far they got with their attitude being right. Yeah, it's just it's, that's a sort of a grim determination mm. and a belief. Um, and I suppose Leinster have always been accused sometimes of putting in performances like this, and. How much it says for Connacht going forward next season, I, I don't know. But at least it's a better end to this season. Mm-hmm. And that's important. Um, interesting at the press conference, Kieran Keane uh, talking to the news media about the review that's coming up. 
He said it's going to be an in-depth review. He also used the word lip service had been paid to it in the last couple of seasons. So that suggests that there's going to be some really tough talking here. And that's going to be from coaches uh, and everybody in the whole organisation, but particularly within the playing organisation. They have to go back and look at why they haven't been able to win more than seven games in this competition and to look he he didn't want to talk about uh, the games that have slipped away but they'll have to talk about them because that's what's cost them and at the end of the day when you win seven games you're not competitive if you win 12 games you are competitive and there's at least five games there that they'll know with the sort of application today they could have won them and that's the standard you have to set William, I think they will be talking about those 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 games because he said they're the ones that still rank, uh, annoy him, and so I think you know that it will be that will form part of the review. But I think it's not just about the way they play the game that's going to form part of a review. I think it's the way that perhaps they they go forward from here, whether whether it comes to the way they train, the way they review things, the way they do their and see everything. I think is going to be the formula is going to be possibly you know looked at and adjustments made and using I think Karen Keane did mention as well that the players would have their input as well into that they have time now Dave two consecutive bad pre-seasons have led to two consecutive bad starts to the season and the only reason why they did well you first then Lindy because he did commentate he did comment oh no on I'm that. just yeah. saying that that Karen Keane that was one of Karen Keane's points yeah is that they want that done because they know they don't what I think there was an expression he yeah, he used no, yeah, no, 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 but just in terms of how they started the season, he used an expression about how they started that they were caught with their pants down at, the, at this season, and that's true. And he knows that because he wasn't here for most of that preseason, so it's going to be a completely different story from his point of view. He knows that, and I think you know, going forward, this is what they're looking at. They're going to go out to that first match knowing that first game, yeah, absolutely. And I think that they're going to be targeting that big time to get a win and get momentum. I honestly believe if you want Connacht to do well next season, get here for that first game, their first home game in particular because I'll give them a pass if their first game, Dave, is away to Munster or something I'll acknowledge that maybe a must win it ain't, but that first home game at the sports ground is a must win. Absolutely, oh, absolutely. I mean, look at the first game here. The last two games, I think it's been well. Glasgow was 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 the season that two seasons ago hammered. It's been Glasgow both seasons, yeah. and they've absolutely come in. They've come with a focus. Um, preseason should start on Monday morning. They have three weeks of training. Alan, have you any worries on that? No, no. Like they're, they're, well, that, like, because the, the season like awful... isn't over. The season, yeah. it's like the rugby season still goes on. So some of these guys will want to be, you know, pushing for Ireland places, and some of them put their hands up today. Did Nia Dulo can put his hand up for Sergis? I would have thought so. I don't see why not. Like Adam Burns got Adam Burns got caps, and other guys have got caps. No, so I wouldn't. I don't think Adam Burns has caps. Yeah, he does. He has one cap. Yeah. Oh God! Well, no, well, to be to be fair, I'd leave Adam Burns out of there because he didn't come on until very late <laughs> in the game. Well, so. What I'm saying is that you know you're looking at a lot of the the guys yeah, that they're that up against guys who would be who in have, the mix. exactly exactly. So there's no reason to think that he wouldn't put himself up there. But, he, but when I say preseason starts on Monday, it doesn't necessarily have to start with the players. And I do think Alan's right. The guys have put their hands up today. Uh, I mean, Bolter, Delahunt, Bolter, Farrell. I mean, they do. The guys will have to be. I mean, for them to go on the tour, there will right? have to be injuries and players They're arrested. Great. But you know, why not? If, you, if you're going to base it on the last performance, and Joe Smith doesn't base it on, on where the team is in the table. There's no way he does that. He bases no, no, it on no, the no, individuals no. and what they can bring to his group. And he'll have looked at things here. Absolutely, absolutely. Which is why you know we've had 
we've had disagreements within this group with, with what, the way Joe Schmidt because we don't because we don't think we can understand why he doesn't make certain players. And sometimes not, not when to, some not, of our players are in and they're not performing yeah, well, we're not, thinking, well, yeah. not not just from from college, but yeah, they right. don't fit Joe's system. And that's fair enough, and I mean you get used to that after a while. But one thing preseason starts on Monday is it has to start on Monday in terms of analysis, reviewing what went up. The review can't be left until. Ah, June or something. He needs to start on Monday morning. Start and analysing look what went right, what went wrong. Now, whatever the, the players then get brought in later on, because I mean they're clearly not going to be focused on next season at this stage. There's there's events to go on. There's 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 corporate events and there's 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 the events. But in terms of if we if we the later we leave starting the the background preseason the later we start yeah. the, the on the on the the training ground preseason and then we later we start preseason full on stop on that then as william says they're not playing lip service to it so as much as we can go, we're going to ever find out we know that they're saying publicly they're aware of that and that's not going to happen uh, so moving to Leo Collin if we can because we got to move this podcast on interesting interview William got him before the game which just was really good work because uh, big thanks to Leinster for allowing us to chat to him because we wanted that specific so many of our chats with coaches are specifically related to the game that's just happened we wanted to talk a little bit more about the massive success they've had uh, this season topping their pool whether we like this performance or not and, and in the Champions Cup final yeah, and it was just—it was a very short interview, and a bit shorter than we might have wanted. But you know, he's a very busy man. But it was just interesting to get—I was particularly interested in the mindset of how you how you keep everybody bubbling. Here's Leo Collin talking to William before the game. Leo Collin joining me. Uh, Leo, good to talk to you. Just wondering, with all that's been going on uh, with Leinster, you've obviously got you know the Joey Carberry story, and is he moving or not moving? And then you've got the uh, the European game. Has it been difficult to get a a right frame of mind for this game this weekend here in Galway? Uh, not really. No. Um, uh, for us, you know, you know, we've set off on our campaign. You know, you think back, our first game was away against Dragons at the start of September, and um, even you know. We played three pre-season games. Um, Tom Daly is someone who played in that pre-season game against Perpignan, and you know, he actually makes his first appearance of the season today. So he becomes our 54 player that we've used in the during the course of the Guinness Pro 14. So we're in round 21. So that just gives an indication of the size of the squad that you need. So uh, Caelan Doris actually comes in on the bench today, so he could potentially be number 55 on the roster. So you know you need a really deep squad if you want to be competitive in two competitions. So um, you know for us it's you know, making sure we just spend a lot of time working with the players, making sure that they're, you know, able to give the best accounts of themselves when they play at the weekend. So, you now for us, coming off the semi-final last week, and even uh, our A team were involved in the semi-final of the British and Irish Cup against Jersey, and they had a great win over there. So, you know, it's kind of merging the two teams together this week in many ways. So, um, the guys that have gone well in that game over in Jersey last weekend get the reward for their based off their performances so that's a hugely important part of what Leinster Rugby is trying to do um, and yeah you know all our players know what's at stake there's a lot of big games still to come up we hope um, we know we're in the final next week we hope we're in the semi-final the week after that um, and hope there's another final after that so anything can happen there's a lot of things that we need to overcome um, the game today you know we're, we still need a little bit out of the game so the, we're not guaranteed to be in a home semi-final just yet um, so we still need to get a little bit more out of this game and um, yeah, the players have prepared well this week. Um, there's a couple of challenges, as there always is. You know, there's always challenges going on, but for the most part, the squad is, is in really good spirits and looking forward to the challenge. Talking about John Muldoon, who's obviously been getting a lot of attention down in uh, Connacht this, this week. Did you did you ever play against John Muldoon, or would you have played with uh, him? Yeah, no, I played against John. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've, 
had many a tough outings down here as I have over the years, so uh, it's never been easy. I actually made my debut here. I was just talking to Caelan Doris in the dressing room. I think I made my debut here in 1998, uh, which is the year uh, Caelan Doris was born, and he's potentially going to make his debut off the bench today. So uh, I'm not sure what John will do with playing that day, but he has been around for a long, long time. Uh, whatever it is, 300-something games. It's an incredible record. And just talking about the number of players you, you use, how much of a challenge is that to keep everybody motivated and at the right level and to stop them getting, you know, maybe switching off or, or feeling that they're not getting a fair crack to the whip? Um, we, we do try to give everyone opportunities. So, you know, every time we train and the way we train, so we try to train at a level of intensity that is above the game. So um, what the players are able to produce at training is hugely important So because that gets them ready for the game. So... Um, and we want to make sure that they are, as I said, like give, try and give the best accounts of themselves in the game. So, um, yeah, that's that's important. Um, but it's also you know the competitive squad does drive drives the overall standard. So when players know that this is their window to play, and if, if they go well in the window, then they'll get picked again. And that's it's a reasonably simple formula, really. Um, but I think the competition is hugely important because, you know, one of the things that we are trying to do is well making sure that players push on to the national team, and um, hopefully we've shown that over the last couple of seasons. I think there was 18 or possibly 19 players involved during the Leinster players involved during the five Six Nations games this year. So, you know, we, we'd like to think we're player part there as well and trying to provide players for the national team. Um, so it's just trying to get that balance, you know, because if there's 18 or 19 guys away, there's still Pro 14 games going on during the course of those Six Nations. So that's. When we get our squad stretched, you know, and that would, that's also an opportunity, is the way we would see it in terms of trying to build some depth as well for for the future, so the the health of the game is in good stead in the province. Leo, good to talk to you, and good luck to Leinster for the rest of the season. You've got some some big games ahead, and be very much we'll be following with great interest. Great, thank you very much. Last section of the podcast is devoted entirely to John Muldoon, starting with some vox pops at Alan Gathered. Okay, I've got another Connacht fan here. What's your name? David Connor. Where are you from? Uh, Mayo and now Hedford. Fair enough. John Muldoon. Well, I mean, anybody who was in Edinburgh, that was just the best day for Connacht, full stop. And he was the man, I suppose, maybe more than Lamb, maybe more than anybody who made it happen. And he was the man who brought it out in the day. And I suppose, whatever else, never mind the other 326 caps, that's the one that no one will ever forget. It is indeed. And what about Mr. Andrew Brown? Not forgetting him. Ah, uh, Brownie. I heard the uh, I, I heard one of the videos today, and it's just the, the real Galway accent and the Galway head. And I spent most of my life living or working here, and he's just he's Mr. He's he's Mr. Galway on the team. And I suppose my one of my best memories of him is he came back from injury against some scrappy game against uh, Treviso about six or seven years ago, and he was the best player on the pitch straight out of injury. And that's the way he's been. Like he's had a horrible time with injury, but he's always been able to bring it right from the off, straight off, straight off the the sick bed. And um, yeah, he's he we'll miss him almost as much as Mull, I think. I think we will. That's great stuff. Thanks, Dave. Name? Dara Skelly. From? Galway again. Amazing that one. <laughs> Go on, Andrew Brown. First. A- Andrew Brown. He's Galway City, and that's what he is. He's, he's Connacht rugby. Galway City. A bish lad through and through. You know, you can ask more for a servant of Connacht than Brownie is given back, you know? And of course, the man himself, Mull. Mull, my best memory of Mull is not lifting the um, Pro 14 Cup. It's meeting him the summer afterwards in Roundstone, out in Connemara, 
and he gave time to four drunken cousins who wanted a photo <laughs> taken with him. So, a brilliant lad, brilliant character, brilliant person, great servant, and deserved more than three caps. Exactly, a legend. Okay, I've got a, a Connacht fan who's travelled a long way. What's your name? Dana. And where are you from? Romania. Romania? Yes. Is this your first game? Yes, it's my first game here. I've seen Connacht play before, but only on TV. Ah, okay. And, and why did you come today? Well, because I've been wanting to see live uh, the Connacht team play at home. And then uh, I purchased my, my flight and booked my, my hotel in February. And incidentally, I found out this, this will be John's last game, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> oh, well, so it worked out really well. It worked out really well. And you're involved in rugby? Yes, I am. I work for the Timisoara Saracens Rugby Club okay. back in Romania. Wow. wow. Uh, doing the media, marketing and team assisting. And you love your rugby? I do. And who's who's going to win today? Connacht, of course. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks very much. Back here on the terrace for our final thoughts. I just want to try and do this differently because we've had like a hundred, or we had this three hundred cap special. We've had a long interview with him. I'm hopeful that either now in the next few weeks or uh, early enough next season over in Bristol, we'll get a chance to sit down with John Muldoon again. I hopeful that over the next 10, 20, 50 years uncovering rugby and connective and 100 and being wheeled in here I'll be able to talk to him many, many more times because there's so much more to say from that man and there always will be stuff to say so with that in mind maybe just each give me your own thoughts on him as we finish this podcast because there's only so much we can say Lindley, we could talk for ages about the man Yes, indeed and I have talked to him for ages on many occasions (laughs) (laughs) Um, What can you say about John Muldoon? I mean, without sounding sort of trite and look I think what about today just today well but I think John Muldoon the the thing about John Muldoon is he's a product like us all he's a product of his upbringing and his sense of place and that is very important to him and I think he always references Portumna and GAA his GAA background Mm. in in his success because he's always said that he went through times remember he and I remember talking to him about it where he played with a lot of, say, Leinster-based players, Leinster players, Mm. who he knew had no interest in Connacht. And then, as time got on, and we got more Leinster players, and he tried, in his leadership role, to try to instill that sense of Connacht into them through what he believed was his sense of, his GAA belief in the sense of um, place, community, and its importance. And I think... The way he's done that is both on the field by demonstrating, it's in the team room by leadership, and it's very importantly by being brutally honest. And one of the things I most respect about John Muldoon is his his honesty. He doesn't shy away from, he doesn't make small talk, he doesn't shy away, you know, from you know hitting you with a hard fact or disliking something. And I really like his honesty and the fact that you know from day one he said he. He knew, he believed that he was never good enough to be a top rugby player. And he will still say that today, and he'll still say when he looks at the, the lads ahead of him in on the Irish team that he wasn't as good as them, despite the fact that he would have obviously liked more caps. And that's what I really like about him. And that sense that he has and his love for the game and his hard, incredibly hard work to get where he's got, I think is just, you know, a, a model 
for every young person, not just rugby players, but every person in whatever walk of life, if they really want to achieve something, they, they can do it by hard work. It's hard to top that. There's no point. There isn't really, is there? <laughs> well, I'll just, I just, I just quote Johnny O'Connor, who tweeted out earlier on today, or maybe yesterday, self-control, humility, courage, resilience. That's a comic man. And that's Andrew Brown and John Muldoon, because I'll bring Andrew Brown in there as well. Yeah, here, here to that, and shout out to Jay Keenan because he did so much work behind the oh, scenes yeah. in terms of with young people in the community, mm. and a, a shout out to Pat Lamb's role in in giving John the the book end to his career that he needed because it was Pat Lamb that tapped into the exact same thing that John Muldoon believes in, and I don't think a better person could have been the kind of coach at this that point in John Muldoon's career because it came to the fusion of everything coming together. Very little to add, other than there's a huge gap there now. And it's a big challenge for... There's, there's no more saying, what does John Muldoon think? What does Mull do? How are we going to do this, John? Somebody else has to be ready to answer those questions come next September. And that's a great challenge for these uh, guys, but it's also a huge legacy for him. Our end-of-season podcast comes up a little bit later in the week. Big thank you, guys. 47-10. Connacht 47, Leinster 10. Yeah, emphasise the connect forty seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mo.